G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Without being vain about it, I could really talk to any group about my subject matter in law with authority. But as a Christian, I was a self-taught amateur, and so I felt challenged to do some theological study, which I did at the Baptist College in Sydney. And then it's just snowballed from there. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Peter James was a highly successful lawyer when he decided to change paths and become the CEO of Scripture Union Australia. So why did he leave the world of law to go into ministry? We'll find out today as Peter shares his story and how the Lord's been working in his life. Peter James is chatting with Phil Edwards. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? You disclosed earlier on that you were in your 50s. I am. I'm 57. Yeah, so that places you somewhere in the middle of the 60s is when you were born. I was born the day the Beatles arrived in Brisbane in 1964. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I discovered that sort of later in life and uh, ended up uh, having a Beatles-themed party for my 40th birthday. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I found the uh, front page of the newspaper for the day uh, I was born and... uh, cut out a little corner of it and substituted uh, the invitation to my party in the same type font. Do you know, were you an easy birth or was your mum singing, help, I need <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody? <laughs> yeah, well, when I told that story, uh, uh, you know, I'd say I was born the day the Beatles arrived and mum used to say, who? And I'd go, not the who, the Beatles. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But the 60s, wild 60s. But, um, yeah, grew up in Brisbane and um, and had a lovely family, one sister, um, two parents. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So just you and your sister? Me and my sister and, uh, and a beagle. And, uh, yeah, okay. it was lovely childhood. Lots of um, playing outdoors. There was one rule, and that was be home in time for dinner when it's dark. Yep. And uh, we, we had a lovely time growing up in, in, uh, in a suburban setting where there was a creek and bush, and yeah, it was a lovely childhood. What else do you remember from those days? Oh, um, I remember the scars and the, uh, we, we, the, the, some friends of mine, I still uh, connect with some of them uh, who, in our street, we used to have stone fights. You wouldn't let your kids stone? do Stone? Yeah, with yeah. With rocks? With rocks. You know, the boys in the street, uh, someone, you know, you'd be just hanging out and someone would scream out stone fight. Which yeah, gave friend, you, friendly encounter? Friendly encounter. That gave you okay. 10 seconds to find a tree to hide behind <laughs> and rocks to throw at your friends. <laughs> not, not, you know, maybe not what you'd do Did that end days. badly? Uh, well, we ended up with a few scars, but we had a lot of fun and laughed about it. <laughs> Not something you'd encourage uh, these days with your no, kids. No, no. A friend, a friend of mine who was quite skinny um, hid behind a stop sign and of course, a stop sign's only, you know, mm. not that big. And, uh, oh, they're probably wooden posts back then. Well, so. he, he was hiding behind the stop sign and holding the sign and, and I, I threw a stone and hit him on the fingers and <laughs> he screamed with pain and, and going, oh, fantastic shot. Ow, ow, ow. What a great <laughs> shot. And he was uh, conflicted about uh, his emotion. What about your mum and dad? 
Yeah, mum and dad. My mum was. Uh, I found this out recently when I my my dad passed in uh, in the last couple of years, and I was researching for his eulogy. How did they meet? And um, and so uh, I, I, before he died, I, I asked him that question, and uh, he told me that he was at a Bible study. And my mum was the diocesan youth worker right. and came uh, and delivered a Bible study at his youth group. And that's how he met her. And he thought, she's a bit of all right. Thought, she's, she's pretty, pretty nice. And, uh, and then a few weeks later, they met at a dance. And it was one of those progressive dances where I don't yes. know whether the women moved uh, you know, around the partners as the dance progressed or the men. But uh, anyway, she rotated into to be dancing with him and he said, oh, you're the Bible girl. And then uh, they went for a coffee after that. Oh, nice. Lovely story. Very nice. So you, you obviously grew up in a home where there was a, a rich Christian heritage that was passed down to you. Yeah. What did that look like as a kid? What kind of things happened in your house? We Well, church, of course, was part of it, but it was more than that. It was a very much a lived faith. Um, so, you know, in our, around our house, mum and dad modelled uh, the humility of Jesus. They modelled um, the kindness. So kindness was a big thing in our family and, you know, what's the kind thing and very much that, and they would not have maybe expressed it that way, but they're trying to exhibit the fruits of the spirit in everyday life. And, you know, of course there was spankings. That was, you know, the, the discipline Part of the, the day. Course, yeah. And, uh, but um, and then part of a church community where we very much in our church did life together. You know, there were meals and fellowship groups and a youth group and um, just that sense that this is a community of the body of Christ doing life together in, in all of its facets and uh, some, some of that's good and some of it's not. Was there a point in your life when you realised the good of that? Because often you can be in that environment, you just kind of don't even notice, so you take it for granted. But it sounds to me like at some point you realised yeah. this was actually valuable. Yeah, it was a great it was a great community to be part of. Um, you know, there were people of all ages, and so it was a it wasn't just a youth focused church or an old person focused church. It had a range of demographics. So I remember um, the uh, we there was a Bible study for the school aged uh, you know high school aged students uh, that. I got invited to, and we opened scriptures together. And aside from that SU camp I'd, I'd gone on in year eight, it was the first time I think I'd sat in a group, probably grade nine, I'm guessing, sat in a group and opened the Bible together and read the words of Jesus for myself. I mean, I'd, I'd seen and heard the words of Jesus in a church service, mm. but actually having my own Bible and opening it and reading what Jesus said and hearing it in my heart for myself, it was like I remember that. I remember the room. I remember the moment. It was like someone had taken the top off my head and I thought, wow, I can actually connect with God directly myself and read what Jesus said. Mm. How, how precious is that? And I've loved, I've loved reading the Bible ever since. What about your teen years? That can be a tough time for, for some people. Yeah, I, I think my impressions of teen years were two things. One was that wonderful church community that, that I was part of, had a great youth group, bush, bush walking, you know, lots of stuff we did together. Yep. A- and then um, and then school, you know, and, and at school I got involved in rowing, uh, which is a, not a common sport, but, uh, and, but quite uh, engrossing. Okay. And, uh, and so I still today, as a, as a leader of a, of a missional movement, um, draw a lot of analogies from, from what I learned in the rowing boat all those years ago. Maybe that's because I've 
I, you know, I'm still a bit scarred by it. <laughs> There's a lot of training involved, a lot of blisters and pain. But uh, so this is the team rowing. You talk about skulls yeah. or something. Well, you know, so started off in uh, in uh, a four. You know, four, mm-hmm. four boys rowing together, and then uh, and then upper high school rowing in a, in an eight. And uh, so I was in the school first eight for two two years for year eleven and year twelve, and and then rowed again as a masters level later later wow. on in life. So wow. lots of lessons on teamwork there too. I can yeah, yeah, and. Fun and fellowship and just you know taking the the work seriously but not each other you know taking you know a lot of fun and, and fellowship and connection but yep. uh, but a lot of hard training as well so yeah yeah you mentioned earlier your first encounter with su who uh, now you're the leader of su in yeah, australia was yeah. uh, when you were uh, i think it was in year eight yeah at a camp yeah, I, I've still got the scars for that. I mean, it was a great experience. I just observed amongst people a few years older than me, you know, so who'd left school, a love for each other and a sort of larrikinism about that, which was healthy and, and attractive, Yeah. but also a love for God. And when they prayed and opened the Bible together, they did that from a sense of knowing him and a sense that of God connecting with them. And again, very attractive and and really the kind of Christian I wanted to be. So that sort of from that year eight stage onwards, um, I, I guess I'd say I was on the path of discipleship and mm. uh, kept going to SU camps, got involved in my school ISCF group and, of course, church happening in the background as well. The Interschool Christian Fellowship. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, still happening. Some places it's called Regenerate. Sometimes it's still called... Uh, Called ICF. So, what was the setting for that camp? Was it at the beach or it was a, it was at, up the uh, bush somewhere? Yeah, it was at the beach, and um, we had um, a range of activities down at the beach and uh, and around the campsite. We we had one of those uh, homemade water slides uh, where you uh, you put a piece of plastic with a hose and and detergent. Yes, and. Uh, these days, we'd have a little bit more work, health and safety review of this because it was quite a steep hill. And uh, as I remember, the, uh, the plastic was sort of half the length of the hill. But right down the bottom of the hill was a rose garden. Oh, no. And, uh, of course, as more and more people went down the slide, the detergent water continued on the grass. And the further and, you went. And the further you went. And so I remember doing a, a dive and continuing down into the rose bush. Yes, I think we've all been there. Yes, yep, still <laughs> as got kids. The scar. Um, you at, at this camp, you you had this revelation, I guess, of yeah. who God is, yeah. uh, and the fact you can have a relationship with Him. Do you remember? Was there a, a decision point at you know at the camp, or was it something that just sort of started? Uh, you know, flicked a switch in you. Yeah, it was like a. I mean, as I say, I'd already sort of had a sense of God from from childhood, um, but the camp was where I, I I guess made the transition from being. Um, a, a child with a with a sort of a generic faith or a generic sense of God to a decision that I wanted to be a follower. I yeah. wanted to be a disciple. So it wasn't at camp so much, but I do remember walking home from school one day, probably a couple of weeks after camp, and thinking, God, I want to be that kind of person. I want to follow you and give my life to you. So I remember it was very mundane, you know, just walking home from school and praying that in my head and, and giving my life to him. And, and uh, really, I think that's the moment that I became a, a disciple uh, of, of my own. Because yeah. mm. that's the thing. We, don't, we sometimes think it's got to be an altar call, yeah. so to speak. You know, it's where you're in, positioned in some church or something, but you can come to God any time. Walking home from school. Walking home from school, driving in the car. Um, wonderful. Any time where you can do business with God, talk to him, connect with him, um, get real with him is a, is a good time. Mm. 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Phil Edwards is chatting with Peter James, who's the CEO of Scripture Union Australia. Peter's sharing his life journey and how the Lord had been working in his life. We'll hear more of his story and why he left a successful career as a lawyer to go into ministry. That's all coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Peter James sharing his life journey. Peter is sharing the events that have led to him becoming the CEO of Scripture Union Australia. But first... He became a lawyer. Now, here's more of Peter James having a chat with Phil Edwards. Grew up in a Christian home, had a lot of fun by the sound of it, a great family. And then you decide to become a lawyer. Yeah. You can't be a lawyer. You're a nice guy. <laughs> well, I actually started off out of school studying medicine for a year. Oh, really? And then um, that wasn't for me, so I switched to um, political science in the arts faculty and and changed to law. And, and, and oddly, a sense of calling from God to do that, but without any idea why. Mm. Um, so you uh, obviously were quite uh, successful in uh, in law and you were doing well. And then somehow you end up in ministry. So how long were you actually in, in law? A bit over 20 years. Um, so I was a partner of an international firm. Um, I was a technology and telecom specialist in the M&A group, so the mergers group. So, you know, that was exciting. You know, you'd, you'd be working on very high-profile transactions, reading about what you did in yesterday in in today's financial review. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was exciting and it was an amazing firm and it was an amazing time. But just over a series of years sense of well what is this really what i'm spending my life on is this really you know the best use of of peter james what do you want god that might be different mm. so you were still in brisbane at that time have you or- I'd, I'd worked in brisbane in in we'd lived in sydney for and had a stint in sydney in fact at this time when sort of god was niggling me about this we were living in sydney and um had this uh, sense of, well, do we stay here forever or do we do something differently? Mm. So we might come back to that, to how you actually landed in ministry from there, but you just said we, mm. which suggests uh, your wife came along somewhere in the, yeah, yeah, in the we, mix there. Tell yeah, us we, that story. We met at a uh, mutual friend's 21st um, party and uh, I saw her across the room and thought she's the girl for me. It was kind of one of those smitten moments. Did she see you across the room and think the the same thing? He's the man for me? I'm pretty sure she saw me across the room. I'm just not sure about that second (laughs) part. It may have taken a little bit longer for her. But, um, yeah, so we we went out for five years or so and then uh, got married and had five kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, our oldest is 30, our youngest is 22. Okay. Boys, girls? Four boys and then the girl last. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was it. We've had the girl now, so. It was pretty much, if we'd had, if the first nine had been boys, we would have had ten. <laughs> oh, I guess your wife's happy. <laughs> We're both very happy. What, what do you reckon you've learned the most? Now, you've, you know, your kids all grown up now. Mm. As you look back at, you know, the cut and thrust of being a parent, especially when they're young, what was the biggest lesson out of all of that? 
oh, the patience that you need to have. And um, it's funny now because I've, I've noticed, I, and I really don't mean this nastily, but I've noticed now that the, the boys are all married, that when they get together, um, I'm kind of on the outer, you know, in the sense they're they're interacting with each other and mm-hmm. and we're the old people, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's just odd because as a parent, you you're in the mix of it. Yes, and it, it sort of reminded me that your whole life you're redefining yourself. You know, you're a child, and then you're a, a you know a, a teenager, and then you're a young adult, and then you're a you know you're you're a married person, and then you're a parent, and and I'm just on the cusp of that next phase of life where going through the next redefinition of uh, what that means with married kids who start to have kids of their own. So no grandies on the way yet. We have one, one. and another due uh, any any week now. Oh, okay. Well, that's a whole different season, it which is. Uh, my wife and I are about to discover as well. We've got uh, a grandie coming soon, so yeah. maybe we can compare notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they told me it changes your life, so... Well, I've only had two months of it with the first grandchild, okay. and she's wonderful. Okay. 20 years in uh, mergers and acquisitions and law and all of that in the corporate world, and God was doing something in your heart that caused a change. Yeah, it was a a series of things over time. So we were living in Sydney and enjoying that, and we had a wonderful sort of family life and church life and a crazily busy work life for myself. And just that sense of could this be more and – we, I felt challenged once, uh, you know, that just I was having a quiet time and felt um, without being vain about it, I could really talk to any group about my subject matter in law with authority. But as a Christian, I was a self-taught amateur. That was the phrase. Mm. As a Christian, you're a self-taught amateur. And so I felt challenged to do some theological study, which I did at the Baptist College in Sydney. And then it's just snowballed from then. I was on the board of uh, of a scripture union movement. Uh, they were looking for a new CEO. I wasn't thinking it would be me. I was helping them find this person. We interviewed a number of candidates, and uh, it, when in the in, in the last ten minutes of an interview of a candidate, I suddenly felt jealous that they might get the job. <laughs> and it just like a God had flicked a switch. Mm. I suddenly thought I'd love to do this job. And so I was conflicted at that point and had to sort of say nothing. And and uh, the two other interview panel members concluded that that candidate and the others weren't right for the role. There, there were many good qualities, but they weren't right. And they debated what next, and I was saying nothing. And then one of them said, uh, you're not saying much, Peter. Do you disagree? And I said, no. And uh, they said, well, if you look at what we're looking for, it actually describes you. Would you be interested? Hmm. So I recounted to them my sort of aha moment when God had flicked a switch and at that point, you know, we shut the process down and I was excluded from the board and they re-advertised. I threw my hat in the ring and uh, re-interviewed. I, I, I know there were pe- other people interviewed, but I don't know who uh, or how many. And uh, it was three weeks after my my interview and I thought I'd get a nod or a wink or something because I, I knew most of the people involved and, and nothing. And so I remember it was a Tuesday night. I was at home um, just praying and and said to God, uh, well, you've used SU that I've loved and been a camper and I've loved the movement my whole life. You've used that to get me ready to leave law, but I clearly haven't got this job or I would have heard by now. So whatever it is, I'm ready to leave law. You show me what it is. I'm your man. 
and then the next morning they phone and offer me the job. <laughs> but I've just had this sense of like it's sometimes hard. Like, how do you take um, a well-known, trusted path, I guess, of your day job and take a risk and do something, step out of that uh, to do something in ministry and that was my story for how that happened, well, and I've loved it. Tw- Twenty years, yeah, in your role there, it, it's yeah. a big jump to go somewhere. And look, I, I wasn't unhappy. It was a good job in a good firm, uh, doing good things, you know. Um, but just that sense that um, God wanted more. There could be more. And uh, what do you want, God? And uh, that's a dangerous question to ask. Mm, it is a dangerous question to ask. So for those maybe sitting in that position right now. Like there's a sense that there's something else out there. Mm. How could you help them to to move or at least discover, God, what is it that you've got for me? Yeah, I think um, talking to him and talking to people you trust about that is an important part of it. Uh, for me, I had a sense of, of, of growing sense that I needed to make a change. Um, it wasn't really until um, that aha moment in the interview where I realised that was what I wanted to do. It wasn't as if I had something else crop up. Um, but God will show you. So talk to him, um, wrestle with him, journey with him. It might not be the right time, and timing's important. If I'd wanted to go into ministry earlier, I certainly could have, but it probably wouldn't have been this role. And so, uh, and and in a way, it was important that I, I did what I did as a lawyer in order to be ready for this role because of what the needs of Scripture Union were. You know, we had two high court challenges in, in my first two years as, as CEO. Mm. Uh, so ha- knowing something about the law was important. Kind of helped. <laughs> we did some restructuring. Uh, that kind of helped. And then we merged nine organisations together and I was a mergers lawyer. So go figure. Um, so I think God was preparing me and... Uh, I'm sure he's preparing listeners as well. If you're if you're curious, if you're wondering, take it to him, uh, pray it through, see what he says. Mm, so good. Thanks for sharing your story, Peter. Mm, it's really been fun. Appreciate it. That was Phil Edwards having a chat with Peter James, and it was great to hear how God directed the steps of Peter's life and led him to be the CEO of Scripture Union Australia right when Scripture Union would be needing someone with a law background to help them overcome some challenges. That's fantastic. It reminds me of the verse in the Bible that says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And we can certainly hear how the Lord directed Peter's steps and led him to where his talents and skills could be best used for God's kingdom. Well, to find out more about Scripture Union, you can go to their website. It's scriptureunion.org.au. Once again, that's scriptureunion.org.au. Well, thanks for joining us for Peter's life journey and all the ways God has been working in his life. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I'm sitting there one day, my head in my hands. I was broke. I was broken. I was discouraged. I was depressed. I was exhausted. I was burnt. I was empty. And I just remember sitting there, head in my hands, thinking, this is not the life I want. With limited skills and physical prowess, Andrew Jobling played professional Australian football for seven years. Then later, with no experience or qualifications, he accidentally decided to write his first book and is now the best-selling author of several books. How did this all come about and what role did his Christian faith play in it all? We'll find out as Andrew Jobling shares his story next time. 
The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.